This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening hello, hello. live. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I'm all right. How are you, Tom? You all right? Oh, very well, thank you. I'm counting down the hours for laughter. Yeah. Are you, are you feeling tired? Yeah. Absolutely knackered, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Uh, quite a, it's been a long half term for many reasons, and I'm just looking forward to getting to the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Three of my classes tomorrow doing assessments, so it's not too heavy. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, welcome everyone to the space. Uh, hi to M and Miss uh, Miss McCardle, and uh, we've got Marion, and we've got Harriet. Uh, we've got we've got somebody called Nathan Lesson Copy as well. I've never heard of him. Uh, not him. Hello. Not Hello, him. The, the hunkiest man on, on TTR. Did you know that Nathan used to work at a deprived school? Um, I've mentioned it. I still do. I've mentioned it a few times. It comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard it before, Nathan. To be honest with you. <laughs> right. Well, listen. Right, before you two get into a silly argument, the, what we're going to do on this space is we are going to discuss, uh, hopefully, is how schools um, improve behaviour. And the first thing to say from the outset is, I'm not an expert, and I would, I'm pretty sure that you know, Nathan or Tom aren't experts on this. What I do have is a lot of experience of being a teacher in different schools, so I thought maybe I could reflect on that a little bit. And obviously, if anyone in the space does have experience, I know we've got... Um, Pete, who was on Khalil's show uh, the other day. So if Pete wants to call in and, and kind of join in, then cool. Um, and I'm sure other people like Emma and, and various other people have um, experience. If, you, if you've got experience of school leadership and you want to kind of uh, drop into the chat and share your thoughts. But what I thought what I thought we could start with, gents, if that's all right with you, is an article by um, Bruce Robertson, who I think is on Twitter as... TT TT delusion. That's the one. And he wrote an article for the Tez on the first of February, which has proven very popular. And in this article, which is called um, uh, Eight Ways for Heads to Improve School Behaviour," he goes through eight ways. So I wondered, maybe in the with the emojis while people are listening, if you agree with this, you can put a one hundred, and if you disagree. You can put a laugh emoji to symbolise how laughable you think the the, the 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 thing is to improve behaviour. So number one, he says, um, uh, the destructive effect of poor behaviour. Um, so in other words, recognising, uh, step one, recognising the destructive effect of poor behaviour, which seems to me pretty straightforward. I think everyone's going, yep, Nathan's doing a 100, I think. But I, I, I say it's straightforward. I think there are some situations where behavior can be underplayed uh, or downplayed i don't know if you agree with that guys but that's my experience i think sometimes it can be like oh yeah behavior's good but actually it's not it's not good and it's easier just to say it's good because that sounds better and it means you don't have to take action i think that means nathan and tom agree with me possibly yeah sorry i agree don't don't fall asleep don't fall asleep yeah nathan try and stay with me just just until we get past at least one or two I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay, I'm here. good. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second one um, is uh, putting. So the second thing that Bruce says is putting up with too much. Um, so he says in some schools, serious behaviour issues are tolerated to the point that they are the norm, 
Um, students swearing, staff squaring up to them. They're aggressive, intimidating. They truant lessons. They run around corridors. Uh, they sometimes bang on classroom doors or throw things at teachers. And in one school I worked on a student who was truanting, I opened a random classroom door and threw a tangerine at the teacher. If you want to destroy everything in your school, accepting poor student behaviour is the quickest way to do it. Staff morale will plummet and every student's learning will suffer, even though it's likely to be a small number of students causing the problem. So um, his main point is putting up with too much. And um, it's basically saying, look, uh, permitting um too much so in other words you know and i've been in situations where i thought right if you let that go what else are we letting go do you know what i mean um and i think that's you know and and i know that people like um catherine bell will sing and people like that have argued that um that that um you know you need to you need to start with the small things the so-called small things you know, um, I know Lindsay, so I think she's in, in SLT. I think there's other people here in SLT and they may have other views on this. But I think her, um, Catherine Bubble Singh's view on this is that you start with a small thing. She was arguing, you know, um, uh, pulling the tie up straight and all that kind of stuff is starting with the small things. Uh, that, that was a uniform example. But, you know, she kind of talked about other things too. Nathan, do you want to chip in? Yeah, they talk about the broken windows theory. That's what it always comes down to, this metaphor from the 80s where they parked a car in a tough neighbourhood and it was okay, and then they broke one window and then, you know, came back a week later and it had been completely burnt out. And it was that idea that, you know, if you let one little thing slip, then, you know, it just kind of snowballs. People lose respect for it. Yeah, I think that was the general thing. Um, and then number three, he says... Um, Inclusion in inverted commas, and he says a warped interpretation of the word inclusion can be the root cause of behaviour problems. Let's be clear, all schools should be inclusive. There should be no argument about that. However, in the minds of some, certain words and principles have become incompatible with an inclusive school. These include rules and consequences. Some schools have banned these words altogether. Some won't talk about behaviour, perceiving it as an archaic term. Um, I wonder, Tom, do you want to chip in on that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Or Nathan, either of you. Maybe Tom's busy on the, on the tweet, tweeting spaces. but uh, Or Emma is here as well. Emma has called in. How are you? Emma, are you okay? Hello. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really good. I just wanted to say um, a little bit, actually, about what we tolerate. And um, I know, sorry, go back to point two, but yeah. just on um, the school that I'm working in at the moment, I'm on supply, and they have this sort of complete obsession with this restorative conversation and step one which is is fine and i you know i think there's definitely a place for that but you know there are some cases that it, it's got to go straight beyond a restorative uh, a restorative conversation and they they still insist on having this sort of one-to-one -one dialect and it's just giving a platform for poor behavior and i just wondered you know what other people what do you, what do you mean when you say what, what do you mean when you say a platform for poor behavior how does that translate what does that mean i think it's just um you know it, it allows for that tolerance a little bit more you know it, it allows some comeback where you know it needs to be that actually no that's a line that you've crossed it's it's not up for discussion these are the consequences um I just, you know, I, I'd be interested to know what other people think. I mean, there was a, a people, you know, people said about things like swearing and, and all, you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, some of the swearing that I've heard, particularly this week, actually, behaviour seems for whatever reason to be worse this week. It must just be that point in the term. But, um, uh, you know, pupils who are, who are just 
foul in their language. And there's only so many times you can you can say, right, you know, that's not okay, that's not acceptable, mm-hmm. etc. Like we all do. Um, but at, you know, at what point do actually do do we need to go? Do you know what? It isn't a restorative conversation. This needs to go straight to another level. What's the what's the like process, if you like, in in school? Is it like you know, do you have like a warning system or sanction system? Where does the restorative conversation fit into that, or is it just floated about? So there's it, it's a really long process, and again, I think certainly in my experience, I think if it if it is a really long drawn out process, there's about seven steps. I think, um, it you know, it's just too many. It's just too many um, in certain certain situations. I mean, yes, you know, some pupils have really difficult backgrounds or whatever it might be or they're going through stuff that you're perhaps not aware of you know and and i understand that but when it is just persistent for example foul language or persistent poor behavior or persistent um you know running away from school or or whatever it is seven steps is, is a hell of a lot to go through every time it happens yeah and i suppose it also depends what happens at the end of those seven steps and whether those seven steps are repeated because i think there's nothing worse as a teacher than and, and I've been in this situation before is is when you're going through the same motions every single lesson and with with the same student or group of students and you, you're going through all the all the in, in inverted commas that you're doing all the right things you know you, you're doing all the right things in the lesson or between lessons and yet the behavior's not changing and then there's not really a consequence not really an end result to that the kids are just circulated in the system they're just in the system they circulate out maybe they're you know, removed for a lesson or whatever or they remove for a day and then they go back in and they just repeat the same behaviors but there's not an exclusion at the end of it there's not a there's not a if you like a, a final step there's, there's there's no bat stop um yeah exactly and I, and I think as well where more and more schools are reluctant to expel pupils I think it's becoming more of this sort of ongoing cycle um you know the idea of every day being a clean slate so that there are some there's just there's got to be a line somewhere i mean you know we we as professionals i agree personally that every day should be a clean slate and every lesson should be a clean slate i mean 100 percent. and and as a teacher i would always um endeavor to, to to approach every single lesson as a brand new lesson however from a whole school perspective i wondered whether there needs to be that bat stop and there needs to be something nathan what what do you think about this um well i've I'll come in heavy and hard on the new lesson. Um, and this is from a teacher's point of view, new lesson, fresh starting. And I will tell you that in practice, I have seen it many times where a uh, pupil who, you know, is uh, not following behavioural expectations can be doing that at the end of a lesson, knowing full well that there is not enough time for anyone to deal yeah. with it yeah. before they move on to the next lesson. Yeah. And I know that that can be incredibly frustrating for teachers. Yeah to see, um, you know, perhaps in a system where on-call might be called and um, they come within the last five minutes of the lesson, particularly with the system some schools, secondary schools use for on-call, where they that teacher actually has to go and teach themselves. And there isn't the time or the capacity to resolve it before the next lesson. I think sometimes some things take more than that. If you're putting in these false steps that fit in with a time frame of school i think that that muddies the waters for me yeah and what about the place of the restorative conversation in that because i know emma mentioned that and was saying that sometimes it it, it doesn't seem to be the right place or, or time for a restorative conversation i mean you know i know that oh. teachers can be in very tricky situations where they're asked to do you know some, something happens and they are 
uh, I don't know, maybe maybe they're abused in a lesson or something or, you know, something really bad happens. And the first thing is, oh, we need to have, you know, I've set up this restorative conversation before any sanction or any kind of consequence has been has been sorted out. You know, it's like, yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on, that kind of I'm thing going through. on just looking through and you know trying to see if there's anyone there who you know who can talk with a kind of real expertise on restorative mm. practice in its proper because i think and this is maybe only my experience of it but i think it gets a um gets mislabeled mm. i think it gets maybe muddied and actually i have known it used well and also i have known it be lip service and not used effectively mm. Mm. and i think there it's one of those things in education where people will say Oh, yeah, because, you know, our reintegration plan or our behaviour policy has the word restorative conversation written on it. We're going to do yeah. restorative. And, and I'm not sure that's always truly what it is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. We've got um, Lindsay now, actually. Lindsay, good evening. How are you? Hello. I just thought I'd pitch in on this. I've only just joined, though. Yeah, no, cheers. No worries. How's it oh, going? Oh, it's good. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm COVID ridden. I haven't been in school since last Thursday. So I'm just oh, sitting. Shucks at my dining room table for nine hours a day okay so so you are an assistant head teacher yeah now i wondered i wondered what you thought about some of the issues that are being discussed so we've talked about um for example the role of restorative conversations yeah. or restorative practice within behavior systems do you think that restorative practice um works in most circumstances yes um and i would we definitely have a restorative approach at my school and if there is a call out, we have a warn, move, remove policy. Um, so students basically get two opportunities to turn their behaviour around before there's a call out. Um, and then when there's a call out, a member of SLT will go down. Um, and nine times out of 10, we can have a little chat and get them back into the classroom. And and that's great. But I do. there are some things that happen where you just think this is, and my line is always, is this impacting the learning of the others? And if it is, and I just think this student is not in the right frame of mind to be in the classroom, they are having a negative impact on the teacher and the other students, I will remove them from that lesson. Yeah, so you'll you'll do that from an SLT standpoint. Yeah. You'll do that, yeah, from beyond that. Yeah, interesting one. Uh, we've also got uh, James here. Uh, we've got James Fury from, I believe, the United States. James, good evening. Hi there. It's actually uh, afternoon where I'm at. I thought it might be. Uh, good to hear from you. Um, we are talking at the moment, James, about um, restorative practice within behavior systems and cultures and, and whether we think it works. And, and Lindsay has said that overall she, she thinks it does. Um, Nathan thinks it does if, if it is done well. Um, what are your thoughts on this idea of, of kind of restorative conversations and practices and, and their place within behavior systems? Well, I would say the, the caveat that I heard, uh, if done well, is really important in conversations uh, regarding restorative practices, mm -hmm. um, especially in the context of uh, the American class. Whoa, someone's just muted everyone. It weren't me. Oh, someone's unmuted me. I still can't hear anybody. Yeah, Tom? I'm, I'm back here, Tom. Tom, did you... 
Okay, good. Someone I'm just sorry, muted. I'm sorry, that was me. That was a mistake. Everyone Tom, do there. not mute everyone again, mate. I know you. Uh, I know you hate everyone, and you want to mute everyone in here. But just, just hold your horses a little bit. It's fine, right. Tom. There's only one person who can enter space, and it's not you. <laughs> good boy. I'm just going to okay, claim anti-American bigotry here. <laughs> yeah, you muted. So the moment the American started speaking, you muted everyone, <laughs> which tells. Tells us a lot what about you, you Tom. To, what are you trying to say, Tom? And you're currently hiding behind a Teachers Talk Radio logo to make it <laughs> feel better for you. So well done. Um, I'll sorry, I'll James. Leave, I'll stick to a toy too. Sorry, James. Go on. What were you going to say? Start again. So yeah, I'm just going to uh, finish my point. I'm actually at home quarantined with my, my kids right now, which is why I'm not teaching currently. But um, yeah, so I'm going to go pretty soon. But uh, my point was that... Uh, in the American context of the classroom, I don't know how it is over there, but we have such a mishmash of, um, you know, practices as far as uh, our classroom management, as far as our um, what we do with students who are disruptive, as far as all of those things. Uh, so we really end up with um, not a real clear picture for the students, and they end up very confused. So uh, when they are approached with this restorative practice, sometimes when it's not done well, uh, what they get is the impression that they can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it ends up being worse than if uh, we didn't do the practice at all. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Lindsay, I wonder what you thought about that from James. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Upland. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot U-K. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, 
and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Obviously quite a lot by the sounds of it. Um, Kyle, are you there? Hello. Hello, mate. You okay? Living the dream as always, buddy. How are you doing? Good lad. Right, listen, what do you think of restorative conversations and practices? Do you think they have a place? Because um, we've, we've heard kind of a mix here. We've heard very much. James has raised a point where, in theory, they're good, but obviously, in practice, they might not be. Nathan has kind of more or less said the same thing. I mean, I think he's a strong believer in restorative practice and practices, mm-hmm. but but in terms of whether they work or not. So what, what is your view on this? We're going to move on, by the way, to point four in a minute on Bruce Robertson's list. But before we do, go on. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, no, um, obviously, I, I've just I've just treated it, so I've not, um, I, I kind of heard everyone, but it's because obviously I've, I've heard uh, a little bit of what Lindsay was saying there and a bit of what James was saying, which is good. But um, I think it's about balance. Um, I think if you just run on pure restorative practice, then it doesn't work because, I mean, I, I've seen it in situations in which, um, you know, students are being listened to, but students are going, oh, you know what, I want to move to a different form and I'd feel happier with my friends and stuff there. And essentially, like, I, I've seen it in parts where people have been almost giving the misbehaving children what they want in certain ways. But at the same time, I think that, like, I mean, I think it has to be a combination of different things, doesn't it? So I think you have to have an element of um, having those conversations to make sure relationships are rebuilt, because I think that's really important. I think teaching is all about relationships, right? So I think, like, having a, a student come into your classroom with a fresh slate, no matter how they've kind of performed in the last lesson, is, is pretty important. Mm. But at the same time, um, like, as Lindsay was saying, the first and foremost thing that I'm thinking of is, are you know one or two children taking up a hundred percent of my attention at any given time in which case it's not acceptable for them to be in the room because i'm not going to have 26 students in my classroom suffering because of two people do you know what i mean so yeah yeah um it's it's also i mean it is about i want to keep the relationships there um and whatnot i mean i would say that you know most students who i think i've taught in the past probably said fairly strict but um at the same time, I'm also happy to, to t- keep them back at the end and I'll have a chat with them. And I'll say, well, here's why I did what I did. Um, mm. But yeah, I think yeah. it's really, really important that we don't get to a point where um, it's the only method there, because ultimately I think that like actions have consequences. So, mm. and, and you know, both positive and negative, you get rewards. Reward systems are the most important thing for changing school behavior because psychology shows us that, um, you know, the, the, the kind of carrot is something to change behavior, whereas I guess the stick is something to stop behavior in a way. So yeah. I, think, I think things like detentions and whatnot are really important to stop behavior. And to have that there is a really important thing to say, well, if you do this, you should, you've done this and you've done this again. So here's the consequence. Um, or right, you've done really well. I'm going to stop you because we've got like eight other people here waiting to speak. Yeah, but no listen, problem. Mate, that, I can, that I that can talk for days. So you know what I'm like. I, I know you can. I know you can. And it's excellent. Um, and what you said was very good. Um, we're going to move on to the next point, which is point four, which is um, in Bruce's article, which is teaching behavior. Uh, so he says um, that uh, Tom Bennett suggests that we need to teach students how to behave. Um, and he's absolutely right. A key part of this teaching 
is ensuring students are clear about what the rules are and what will happen if these rules are broken. A lack of clarity with rules and a lack of consequences of any kind is a surefire route to poor, beha poor student behaviour and unhappiness in, um, for everyone across the school. Now, I wondered what people think about this idea of teaching behaviour, a behaviour curriculum. Uh, Luke, are you there? No, he's dropped the listener. That's okay. Miss Mack, are you there? Hello. Hello. Good evening. How are Good you? Evening. Uh, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Now, you are, according to your bio, an English teacher. Yeah. Um, so what's your view on this, about this this uh, teaching behaviour or anything else you want to say, really? I, I completely agree that you have to teach the behaviour that you want to see in your classroom. So uh, whenever I take on a new student or whenever I take on a new class, my first lesson is always setting really clear expectations of the student. Um, but then also making it really clear what the students can expect from me as their teacher. So it's not just always the students having to give, give, give. It's also I will do this for you if you are doing this for me. Because I feel like if you are telling the students where I will plan engaging fun lessons for you um, that you can learn from and really thrive in. But I need you to be listening to me. I need us to be trying our hardest then the students, when they do misbehave, you can have... Sorry, that's my cat in the background. Right, are um, you going to use a restorative conversation with your cat? Uh, well, uh, knocking over the lunchbox might be his way of protesting me constantly leaving him. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, might try the RJ later. Mm. Um, so I, I just think that you, you can't expect a child to change their behaviour if they don't know what they're meant to be changing to. There's this... Um, whole conversation around well students should just know what good behavior is but if you've got children from you know volatile homes or mm. you know homes where parents shout at each other all the time and that's how mm. they communicate that's what their normal is so how can you expect them to change their their entire way of life when they're in your classroom or when any sort of conflict comes up for them if it's been modeled to them at home by the only real role models they have it is the way that they're going to talk, like react to you and talk to you um so yeah first lesson with every class every new student I make it really clear what i expect from them and then what i uh, what i will then do for them so it's that constant just relationship of giving and receiving giving and receiving as opposed to you know, being quite authoritative with them, as I just yeah. don't feel like with students, especially after the pandemic and having had, you know, such isolation, I don't think that that complete, I am in charge and you must do it exactly as I say, without any justification works. Okay. Does anyone disagree with that? Anyone, any speakers disagree with anything Miss Mack has said? I'm going to throw you a curveball, Tom. All right. But, but I want to you, Nathan. I want you to disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 agree, I agree with a lot of what's being said. And this is where I find it problematic, though, because on one hand, we've just said that there need to be clear rules and expectations. But we're also saying that through uh, negotiation and personal relationships, we are uh, bending those rules mm -hmm. for uh, specific people's needs. Right to help them understand, to help them yeah. see what's going on. It's a process of negotiation, right? So it can't be both, or it certainly is difficult to do both well, is what I would say, right? Thanks, so, I, think that's a, I think that's a powerful point. Kyle, do you want to chip in on that? You've got your hand up, which is worrying for everyone. Go on. Uh, mostly just for you, Tom, usually. Um, <clears throat> no, I think that's an interesting point from... Um, 
for, for from Nathan. I think I I think like having the conversation is important. I, I what I would disagree with is ever having um changing the thing. If you've if you've done something, you've got the consequence. I don't think the consequence should ever be changed at any point. I'd put my hand up again. I do apologize. I don't I didn't mean to do that. I thought I was taking it down. You're getting excited. Um, it's okay. I'm so excited all the time. Um you know what I'm like. But yeah, no, I, I think you should never negotiate with it. I think if they've done something, there's a consequence for it. Yes. That and that should just be part of the process of um of them learning. Like they learn the behavior over time. Yes, those kind of processes are there. But I don't think there should ever be a negotiation over what the consequence is. If you've done something, there's a consequence yeah. for it. Ms. That's Matt, just Ms. how the world works. Miss Mack, what do you think about what Nathan and Kyle have said? Just to just to go off what Nathan said there, even so I teach some of uh, at my school some of our most volatile kids that have been excluded left, right and centre. They come into my classroom and you would think that they're, they're idyllic. Um, and that's because they know exactly what to expect from me. And I've never changed my expectations. I'm uh, one of our boys who's been recently excluded for behaviour. Um, in my classroom, he had the exact same expectations as everybody else. And he's very SEN, lots of neurological problems there. But rather than giving him verbal warnings, he'd get a post-it note on his desk that said one, two and three. And it's that visual reminder for him because he'd forget what warning he was on. He'd forget if we'd had a conversation two minutes prior about not biting the end of a pen and throwing it at someone. But that visual reminder for him was enough that he'd be like, oh, OK, actually, I'm about to be kicked out of the classroom and I don't want to be kicked out of the classroom because I know what happens after that. So I don't think even when you build a relationship with a kid, you should ever lower your expectations of that child. But it's almost that they then have that respect for you that they don't want to misbehave for you because they re they respect you as a person, not just a teacher now. And so they don't want to disappoint you. Um, so if Nathan, if I apologise if I've misunderstood what you were saying, because what I've interpreted is it sounded like you thought that we should lower our expectations for certain children in certain circumstances. No, I thought it was the opposite of what you were saying, but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm kind of down the middle. I'm saying it happens. I'm saying that. But are you saying it shouldn't happen? I mean, what's your opinion? This is what I'm asking. I don't think that it, there should be a change in uh, consequence. I, I agree with Kyle on that. I don't think there should be a change in expectation. Mm. The only thing I would agree, and you know, and I, I, I talk about this equally, you know, I work in an alternative provision in a secondary school where children are on the borderline of being permanently excluded. Mm. Um, but we have the school rules. The difference is restorative practice that maybe people think happens in a mainstream classroom that they think they can do in five minutes at the end of a lesson. It sometimes takes half an hour explaining right. the concepts. You know, all of those things exist. But okay. I think, and the, you know, and that's where I think there is an issue with the system that people think in a secondary school writing a general policy or even in a primary school that there is some kind of capacity to deal with every child's need within the short time frame without the support structures in place. Yeah, I, we're going to move on now, but that that was really great. Miss Mack, thank you for that. Stay stay on if you want. Um, we'll, we'll kind of keep dipping in and out. Um, I know you've got your hand up, but we're going to move on to the next point. But feel free to chip in kind of later on, unless you want to throw a comment in now real quick before we do. Nope. Okay, cool. Uh, so uh, just a shout out to people joining in. We've got um, uh, Sonia. Hi, Sonia. We've got Miss Thompson. I'm just going from the top here. Miss Thompson PE, one of my personal favourite tweeters on Twitter. 
that is not the views of TTR. That's just uh, Tom Rogers' views. Uh, great, great tweeter, great PE teacher. Uh, Carly's here, Carly Waterman. Good evening. Uh, if anybody wants to speak, by the way, Sarah's here as well. Sarah Johnson, former guest on one of my um, Teachers Talk radio shows. So feel free to get involved. We've got Nailers, Nada, just talking to teachers. I love that bit as well, the teachers bit. Uh, that is Phil Naylor. Good evening, Phil Naylor. The Naylor's Nada podcast. Good evening to you. And um, we've got Amy. We've got Miss N. We've got Sam Page. We've got Kate. Uh, we've got Kate Shanks History, who I know from the, the history community. I'm li- just literally going on. We've got Pas- Pastoral Pete, who was a, a guest on Khalil Rouse's show on Sunday. Uh, Kate Hill. And then we've got another, well, I don't know, 60-odd people. So thank you very much for, for joining in with the conversation tonight. Um, we're moving on to point number five now in Bruce Robertson's article for the TES. And his point number five is all about the phrase, all behavior is communication. Now, he says here, in some schools, the idea that all behaviour is communication has led some to believe there shouldn't be consequences for poor student behaviour. The student is trying to tell us something. We need to try and find out what this is. That's what's most important. Now, uh, he then goes on to say students are, of course, trying to tell us something through their behaviour. And this might be that they are bored or they're finding what they've they've been asked to do too difficult. They don't like the subject you're teaching. They don't like you. There's something upsetting them. They'd rather be doing something else. Um, while such things might explain poor behavior, rarely do they excuse it. Um, now, I wonder what people's thoughts are on this. Em, you've got your hand up again, so I might go to you first on this. What are your thoughts? And if anyone else wants to kind of call in or request to speak, please do. I know Tom will be working away in the background, either muting everyone or uh, clicking on you and asking if you'd like to speak because he is a legend. Uh, and do you want to go? Go. Yeah, go no, I just, I just, I'm just curious to know what people um, or, or what their experience is post COVID, because I think it's very interesting to me that a lot of behaviour policies haven't changed in response to COVID. Um, and, you know, it's very obvious, certainly to me and to other colleagues that I've spoken to and other, even other, other people on Twitter that, that pupils are effectively three years behind. And that means in terms of their, their behavioural development as well. Um, and yeah, I'd just be interested to know what people thought um, with regards to having the conversations, etc. Well, before, before we do that, I want to talk specifically about this phrase, all behaviour is communication. Um, and I want to try and dig into that and think a little bit about that and whether people, what people's views on this statement are. So uh, maybe, Lindsay, do you want to kind of chip in on this in terms of the phrase, all behaviour is communication? Um, do you think this has been you know a, a positive thing or a, a damaging phrase i mean what, what what are we thinking here i think i think it's a bit of a vague phrase to be honest i don't think it's particularly clear um mm. ultimately i mean i i agree as well that there's been behavior changes since the students have come back from covid but ultimately i mean i'm in a secondary setting we're preparing these kids to to be out in the real world and i don't think our expectations should change yeah okay interesting um because i know nathan you touched on that earlier as well and kyle in terms of saying you know you didn't think that um the behavior systems or policies should change in light of covid or should be reduced or adapted in light of that whereas others do others do feel that that they should be and there should be some consideration given and different rules and so on i think there should absolutely be some consideration given because of course these children have not had the schooling that they they should have had so there there can be an awareness had about it but 
but ultimately they've they've got to be prepared for life in the real world so their behavior has to get better quickly yeah nathan what do you think but all behavior is communication because well, you currently you thing. currently work in a, a pru is that right well yeah sort of an alternative provision so it's kind of like a kind of separate okay. to, we're unattached to a mainstream school okay. um all all behavior I, I honestly do believe all behavior is communication Right. I believe that of positive behaviour. I believe that of quiet children in the back of the class. And the thing that frustrates me incredibly about when it gets used, for me inappropriately, is people are talking about bad behaviour. They're not talking about all behaviour. They're talking about bad behaviour. And, and, and that, for me, is really frustrating. The other thing I'll add on to, to, to what's already been said is I, yeah, I completely stand by that expectations standards and all of those things shouldn't change because of covid but i think support should and i think there's a difference there because there's this idea that you can lower expectations it would be like you know lowering the pass mark for exams we don't need to if we can put in the extra support the problem is most schools can't or aren't able to put in that extra support that is needed and so you're stuck with a tough choice you either start ignoring problems or, you know, what do you do? You've got more if, problems if, to deal with. If, all, if, if that, that kind of phrase of, you know, all behaviours communication, which you're saying you, you, you agree with, would it be fair to say, though, that some kids just, I mean, I'm thinking back to me being a kid now, so I am quite biased here, me being a teenager. Do some kids sometimes just fancy being naughty because they're bored or they're, they just fancy it? And um, Well... And there's nothing I mean, more to it than that. It's not a case of, well, let's have a conversation about, you know, you know, a deep kind of discussion or psychological testing to find out why you're doing this. Sometimes kids just misbehave because they fancy it. Yeah, I think there's boundaries of what is normally acceptable, right? You know, what we think of as normal behaviour. I would also say, when I say all, communi- all behaviour is communication, I mean, all behaviour is communication in a language you don't understand and probably the child doesn't understand either. And so it's not something that most classroom teachers are in a position or is probably safe or wise to try and unpick because we need access to professionals to, you know, when we're talking in the serious place. And I see some other people have joined. I see Sarah's joined us and she yeah. might have different views to me on this. Oh, she's, me and Sarah are going to disagree. We disagreed on my show. It was great. I, I, always, dis- I always disagree with you, Tom. I think it's important. Um, so... Um, apologise if there gets noise in the background. I've literally got two babies on me. Um, so part of my worry about when we talk about behave, all behaviour is communication, it, it becomes a cliche and it means everything and nothing at the same time. And actually what I think it sometimes does is stops people being professionally curious. And what I always worry about, and Tom, you know I always worry about this as well, oh, is I that what we, <laughs> what we might have children, for example, that say very little and are very quiet and they get along with things and everything's okay and we don't really notice them. But they might also be as in much pain as the ones that bring our attention to them in more sharp um, ways by the way they behave. And I know someone, I'm not sure who it was, I apologise, someone spoke about the idea of people, the kids need to live in the real world. And that is entirely true. But in the real world, no one tells me when I can go to the toilet. No one tells me exactly how I need to dress. No one gives me a detention if I forget my pen. No one gives me six warnings if I don't do X, Y, Z at a certain point. So, yes, it's 
we do need to support children in living in the real world, but also we have often higher expectations of children's behaviour than what we do of adults because we want to run a school. We want to make sure children are learning and things well, like that. Just, let me just, can I put in there and just say that, that sometimes there's a point, and, and this is quoted actually from Bruce in his article. He says, addressing the reason behind poor behaviour without addressing the poor behaviour itself teaches students that actions don't have consequences. Now, if you are in an educational setting, and, and again, I'm not talking as an expert here, I'm only talking as a teacher, you know, a teacher who's been teaching in various different contexts over a period of time. I'm not talking as a, a someone who's been a school leader, you know, in, in, and is currently a school leader. I'd love it if Carly or, or Sonia or other, or, or other people want to get involved in this. But but from my perspective, I think the danger is that we, we, we kind of, we, we think that having that conversation is the consequence to, to me that's not a con that that's not um if you like i know some people don't believe in sanctions but surely there has to be like a consequence for poor behavior do you see what i mean rather than just all oh, right okay there must be a reason you know all behavior is communication so therefore if all behavior is communication we need to just find search for the root of the, of the cause of this and then kind of address it in a way that's not necessarily built around consequences or sanctions or anything else i just wondered what you thought sir on that and whether you you understood what I, where I was coming from there, because there's nothing more frustrating for me for a you know if you're a teacher in a school and a student does something in your opinion because they just fancy it on that day they just fancy misbehaving and they're, they're just a kid right but they do something quite bad and then the only thing that happens as a result is is like a cozy chat let's be totally brutally honest about it let's not sugarcoat it. Um, and I think that can be deeply frustrating for teachers when they don't feel that behaviour is being addressed um, because of some theory about behaviour. You know, that I'm not even disputing the theory necessarily, but I'm saying that in applying that theory wholeheartedly to, to schools and the education system can have consequences. So one of the things that I talk about quite regularly is there's no one size fits all. Um, so absolutely, I, I agree with Tom Bennett in terms of creating a culture, uh, learning the the norms of a classroom environment, routines, teaching behaviour and things like that. But also, I think we do need to acknowledge that children might find things really difficult in terms of regulation of um, of their emotions, a way that they might respond to a sensory environment and so on. So I think we need to be curious about what is driving that behaviour. But I also agree that sometimes kids are silly. Um, they often take more risks um, than older people. They're testing boundaries. And should there be a consequence for that? It depends what it is. Sometimes um, sometimes it isn't necessary and a conversation sometimes might be appropriate in terms of consequence. How do you build that consistency within the school environment whilst making sure you're really addressing that young person's needs and teaching them what that needs to happen? I think it's complex and I think when we rely on on one phrase or one idea or one approach um i don't think it's helpful i think children are just as different to adults and they will respond just as differently as well um i just don't think one size fits all and i think when we say all behavior is communication and um, we miss an opportunity to be curious thank you sarah uh right we've, we've got a few other uh, speakers in by the way just for the speakers here I hope you don't mind and you can tell me if you do after this you can just dm teachers talk radio but we're hope we're recording this so hoping to put it out as a podcast so if you're happy with that just say you know just put give me a hundred percent or a thumbs up or whatever this will go out as a podcast unless any of the speakers object in which case obviously it won't or i will edit out and cut out 
the speakers who don't want to appear on the podcast. Um, so just let me know afterwards. Now we've got um, Empathy Holistic Buddies uh, has got their hand up. Uh, Empathy Holistic Buddies, are you going to be my my holistic buddy? Good evening. <laughs> Hi, good evening. Hi, Tom. Hi, everybody that's listening and speaking as well. I am totally new to Teachers Radio, but I I have started to work in primary schools as a holistic therapist. Um, and I've been running kind of create calm sessions for pupils, but I'm hoping to run it out to the teachers and the parents as well in the local schools within um i'm kind of in the bolton area greater manchester so um yeah i'm totally new to this but i'm probably seeing it from a different side of the coin to a lot of you tonight i'm sure because i'm a novelty for the children at the moment um so they, they i'm kind of working with a very small group of children currently in a primary school and there's um a mixture of anxious students, very high anxiety levels, and there is a mixture with people who are not coping in the classroom environment as well, um, more so worse after the COVID situation, but not to get down to negatives tonight, all positives. Um, but I am, I'm seeing a, a really good development where they are actually utilising the techniques I'm teaching them within the classroom environment, which is then having a ripple effect onto the teacher as well. So I just wanted to put that out there tonight. Um, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. See you later. Uh, okay, that was Empathy Buddies. Um, I mean, the, the next bit I wanted to move on to was number six, which is, is your lesson? What, so Bruce's article, he says, is your lesson worth behaving for? Um, so in other words... Um, he says, I know of cases where teachers have been blamed for poor student behavior. Students aren't behaving because the lesson isn't good enough. Is your lesson worth behaving for is an expression I've heard more than once. Every time I do, I can feel my blood start to boil. It's not about whether a lesson is worth behaving for or not. Students should be expected to behave in every lesson. Poor teaching does not justify poor behavior. In other words, student behavior shouldn't be excused because the teaching is poor. If the quality of lessons is a consistent issue, then this needs to be addressed using appropriate channels and quality assurance. Excusing poor student behavior because of poor teaching is corrosive to the school ethos and staff morale. Um, I'll bring Lindsay on on this as an assistant head teacher, uh, as a current assistant head teacher. Lindsay, what is your point of view on this? This phrase of, is your lesson worth behaving for? And I've seen this banded around on Twitter, to be fair, a few times as well over the years. Yeah. Um, I, th ooh, I think obviously... I'm asking yeah. you some good ones, aren't I? Tonight? You are. <laughs> you are. Um, is your lesson worth... Obviously, it's if you have an engaging lesson, which, which really does cater to the students in your care, and I do think that the root of... The root of good behaviour is knowing the students that you've got in front of you. And, and that even goes to before you even meet them in September. So you've read the, the data on them, you've read the SCN register, all these things. Um, so you've kind of got an idea where they're at and you get to know them quickly. And I think if you take the time to get to know your students, then you will engage them more. 
um, you will know what makes them tick and that will in turn give you better behavior. Um, and if you ensure that your the lesson that you deliver is tailored to them and I think that that will engage them. So I think there's kind of that ripple effect, but you have to put in all of that work and that investment to start with. Um, I do think that if if it's if it's a lesson that is disorganised um, and perhaps not particularly well planned and not tailored, not differentiated for those that need it, all of those things, mm. then yeah, I think behaviour will drop because mm. the students can't access what you're trying to teach. Yeah. And of course, they're then going to their attention is not going to be on the work because they feel like it's beyond their grasp. Yeah, I you know, what? I think like all of these statements, there's almost like this middle ground, isn't there? You know, with all these statements, it's like, listen, I mean, when I think back to me being at school, when I was at school. Right. And, you know, you kind of knew before you walked in with a particular teacher that behavior was just going to be bad. You know what I mean? Like you just, yeah, absolutely. You just, and you just it. knew. I just knew. I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. Now, Dan's we see got it his a lot with um, We see it a lot with supply teachers as well, that there's often a bit of an issue there. I'm interested to see what Dan's going to yeah. say because Dan, I used to well, work with Dan. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Dan, we'll bring <laughs> you in. Dan, you've got your hand up. Good evening. Good evening. It's lovely to hear Lindsay speaking. Um, it's been a while since I've seen her. Um, Wow. What okay. are your thoughts, Dan? What What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I have, I have some fascinating experience with this. When my first headship, I was the head of a school uh, that dropped into special measures in South Manchester. And the Ofsted report that came out of the back of it, I'd been at the school for about four months by the time the Ofsted report, uh, uh, before we were inspected. And Almost every single area of the school was completely and utterly slammed, apart from the report to do with the English department. And essentially, the only way I can describe um, what was written in the Ofsted report was it basically Mm. said that the head of English was almost like a warlord in a failed state. Um, And it's actually a former colleague of mine and Lindsay's that came up with that that expression. Um, uh, uh, Jonathan Mm. Crouch, who's deputy head at Notre Dame in, uh, in Norwich. She was a warlord in a failed state. She had the sandbags up around the department. And when the kids went into that department, they were taught in a completely different way. There was a consistency of approach from the English staff in there. And the expectations were super, super high. So Mm. whilst I was dealing with things like kids bringing in tasers and BB guns and all sorts of other things in one of the most behaviorally challenging schools I've ever worked in, you went into the English department and it was like this oasis of calm. And the, the, uh, the, the residual on CISRA for this English department was almost, was almost plus 0.75 in a school that was, just, that, that was running a three-year trend of minus 0.3 overall on its progress. Eight. It was utterly, utterly remarkable. So I think there is absolutely something to, is, is my lesson good enough? Not even that. Is my curriculum in my school good enough for kids to behave for? Now, I'm not saying take away personal responsibility from children. Sometimes kids are kids. Kids are just naughty. But you have to make sure that what is on offer in front of these kids is good enough. Because if it is, I have witnessed firsthand even some of the worst behaved children that I have ever, ever seen. That wasn't a beer done, by the way. If you were That's fine. 
There was no, a can of Diet Coke from me. It I wasn't mean, a beer. Kick, kick back, seriously. Um, <laughs> I even know, we're some talking of about the worst behaved children I've ever seen, they, they went in that department. They were completely and utterly different. Now, I'm going to bounce this back to you, Dan. And I'm going to say that does it sometimes happen in schools where where teachers are, where, where even though there is, is kind of common sense and everything else to what you're saying, is that then potentially used as a stick to beat teachers with the phrase, is your lesson worth behaving for? In other words, you know, right. I'm having this behavior issue. First of all, it, you, you should never, you should never use language like that with teaching staff. Ever. No, but like, I'm, not, so I'm not saying that that particular phrase would be used, but let's say a paraphrase of that, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, what, what's your what's your teaching been like today? You know, like I'm trying to think of, of kind of phrases that kind of imply the same thing. And that well, methodology you, you, is there. Yeah, but you shouldn't be implying that because it, it's no. it's disrespectful to teaching staff. Like, you know, you, 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 mm. you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be paraphrasing. You shouldn't be, you know, couching it in flowery language. You, you know, that's not that's no way to approach feedback on lessons within school. Um Ultimately, I mean, can you? I mean, even suggesting that it's a byproduct of it—that you know—that's that, a tough ask. I think you have to do it in different ways. I think you have to say, "Okay, talk to me about your planning. Talk to me about how you go about planning a lesson. Talk to me about the content that's going in there. Talk to me about your sequencing. Talk to me about your differentiation. You can do it that way. All of those things are valid questions to ask, but certainly don't phrase it in the way where you're suggesting. You know, is is your lesson good enough for, for kids to be for for kids to behave and I, I i think there's an art to feedback and i i i think you, you have to tread carefully um when you're doing that this is somewhat you know when you when you're giving a, a teacher feedback this is someone's this is someone's brother or sister this is someone's mom or dad someone's son or daughter you know you've got to be really yeah. careful with it yeah um, tom can i cut in and just yeah ask please do please yeah. do mate. right okay so Dan, I love what you're talking about, but the, the thing that Tom is suggesting there, and you might not say it's just school, we are saying about ourselves as a profession, yeah, publicly online, and people will be scrolling through their Instagram, scrolling through their Twitter after having a terrible lesson, you mm. know, behaviourally, and they will see that, that someone else has posted, you know, oh, but, you know, what are these kind of uh, glib kind of statements about it? Do we need to do something then to protect our staff from that because if they're not hearing it from us they are hearing it from colleagues and social media it's going to get to them somehow yeah i i think um i don't i don't think we spend enough time talking about support for teachers um at the same time that doesn't mean um that doesn't mean not holding teachers accountable but there's a way to do that isn't there there's so much to do with 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 feedback on uh, on teachers' lessons and things like that is the way that it is said rather than the what that is actually said. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's a tricky one. I mean, what I would say is, if teachers, are, if you're if you're if you've had a bad day in the classroom and then you're scrolling through social media and you're seeing those sorts of comments, step away from social media for that day. If you've had a tough lesson, I mean, it can really impact on your day. Step away from it for a bit until you're in a better place and a better frame of mind to be able to tackle people who put those sort of glib comments online. Yeah, interesting one. Very, very interesting one. Uh, thanks, Dan. Stay with us if you can, Dan, because I think your, your insights there are much appreciated. Really, really good. Um, 
And sorry I'm having to like dash through all these points. I know I've like cut a few people off, but I just want to get through as many as we can um, before the end of the before the end of the space. Um, number seven in Bruce's article is upskilling teachers. Uh, he says sometimes issues with student behaviour are because teachers haven't been trained to manage it properly. Being able to manage student behaviour in a class is a prerequisite to great teaching. Actually, I would go further than that. It's a prerequisite to any teaching. Uh, no one can teach. Uh, no one can teach in an environment of poor student behaviour. It doesn't matter how good your knowledge of the curriculum pedagogy is or how enthusiastic and motivated you are. In the absence of good behaviour, students won't learn. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with number seven. I, I And actually, I think that's a common sense one. Again, I, I don't I just can't see a, a, a kind of debate with that. I guess uh, there would be some who would say if you are a good teacher, then you can teach and create. I think Dan used the word like the warlord in the in the failed state. Yeah, there is that that kind of underlying argument sometimes. Like, if you're a good teacher, you you'll be able to do it anywhere. Yeah, but there is there, there's a limit though, isn't there? Like sometimes you have just got that 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 kid in your class where, you know mainstream isn't working for them that particular environment isn't working for them and at some point we have to take into consideration don't we the the impact on the on the other children in the class and you know I, i've no doubt there'll be a lot of hands will shoot up off the back of this but sometimes you do have to make the call of okay i've got 30 kids in my class this is the one that's stopping the other 29 they've got to go for a little bit so that i can crack on i can crack on and, and get my lesson taught miss mack Let's bring Miss Mac back in. Miss Mac, are you still there? Are you still with us? Yep, still with you. Right. What do you think about this idea of upskilling teachers? Do you think there is, a, I mean, the idea that if you're a good teacher, you should and can, that, that argument of if you're an excellent teacher, you'll be able to do it anywhere? No, I, I think that you have to teach teachers how to deal with all types of behaviour. You know, as uh, I think Dan was just saying, you know, there are some students that aren't suited to mainstream. It, it doesn't work in their best interest. Um, and no matter how hard you try to teach in that class, that that child can just disrupt the entire lesson. And no matter how well you know your content, no matter how well you've planned that lesson, if you have a child kicking off in the corner, that's going to disrupt the other 29 students that you've got in the in the classroom. I think that, you know, say the blanket statement that when there's a little bit of chatter like say you're trying to have that one-on-one -on -one with a child mm. you know that probably isn't disrupting the the other 29 but it's when it starts other children start turning around to look at what's going on or if it's uh, a lot of like the behavior that I have to deal with is like outside of my classroom mm. um and so like I'll have students like running past and it, it disrupts that flow of your teaching um I think that you have to be able to deal with the behavior before you can teach because if all 30 of them start screaming at you and start shouting and arguing you never you can't stand there and just lecture to a a, a chaotic room yeah yeah absolutely I, 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 I totally agree with that um i know just to give some shout outs we've got cassie joining us we've got rob shout out to rob head of geography rob if you want to speak please do Job, Rob's fantastic. Job's fantastic. Rob's fantastic. Cassie is fantastic. So if either of you want to chip in on this, you can do. Uh, big shout out to everyone joining. We've got over 100 listeners tonight. So thank you very much for tuning in. This whole show, I hope, will be available as a podcast within about 30 minutes of us finishing here. Um, so if anybody wants to listen back to it, 
obviously we'll get permission from all the speakers like dan if you if you're okay with it that'd be great um and it'll go out as a podcast for everyone so you can listen back to it what we've been doing what the main focus has been just for everyone joining up to now we've been going through uh, an article in the tes by bruce robertson um, looking at eight things that school leaders can do to improve behavior in schools and we've been through about seven of them so far um we've, we've kind of just started there on on upskilling teachers and how you know a prerequisite to any teacher doing well in a school is uh is the absence of good behavior within the school rather than you know it doesn't matter how good they are at teaching or how expert they are in their subject or how good the curriculum is if the whole school behavior isn't up to it then then they're going to struggle and of course the counter argument to that being no if you have an excellent teacher they're an excellent teacher full stop they can survive in their silo and obviously dan and and, and miss mac disagree with that delighted to welcome cassie cassie good evening to you okay hello <coughs> sorry i apologize i've got a bit of a cold um you sounded very much like a, i thought i was introducing a country and western cinema <laughs> in nashville for a second but no it's oh, cassie. sorry i got the husk on and it's yeah it's not deliberate unfortunately um i have only just tuned in so i'm totally just going for a yeah. point um yeah but do it i it's really difficult isn't it i the idea of teachers teaching in silos and being able to manage in a war zone um, feels really sad because I think leaders need to look at the whole school community and they need to think about all teachers from whatever starting point they're at, whether they're NQTs or they are supply teachers or they're, they're cover supplies. And I think in the current landscape that we're working in, where people are having to step into classrooms and not necessarily being the, the the main class teacher you have to have a consistent behavior policy that everyone knows and understands mm. so I really strongly advocate a behavior curriculum that everyone practices and goes over um, and I, I'm talking from experience uh, of working in a, a previous special measure school and, and moving behavior to outstanding in a couple of years and that was the key it was everyone being on the message this is what the expectation is so those children walk into any class and they know what yeah. they're going to get and it, what it's is, about mutual respect you know what is cassie what is a behavior curriculum what is it it's behavior curriculum is getting the culture and ethos right and being clear that that it's based on mutual respect i mean i worked in a, a church of england school so it was we based it on on christian values we taught the children what values meant and how to um how to demonstrate them um and we just made it really clear that whoever is standing in front of you and whoever is in your classroom as a peer you have and we have the same consistent message and expectation at all times. So it didn't matter if it was someone that worked in the kitchen or in the office or it was a visitor, the expectation um, of respect um, and, and, and following the behaviour policy was expected. Got you, got you. Uh, right, I'll bring, I'll bring maybe uh, Nathan back in on this. Nathan, if you want to say anything on that, what Cassie said, do you kind of agree with that or do you got any thoughts yeah. on it? I love it. You know, all of these things I find, you know, really, really interesting. And we are talking, but we are talking about big systemic changes. And I think what's hard when it comes down to behaviour and often isn't touched on is some of the things that we do as classroom teachers is because we are in a silo, because around us is a thing that we are not in control of. 
and potentially you are in a school that is not on an upward trajectory, but a school that's either plateauing or on a downward trajectory. And you have to make a silo for yourself because you've got yeah. no other choice to survive. And yeah. I think that's really hard then to hear things like, you know, and I completely agree with all of these points about having a behaviour curriculum. But if you're in a school that's not doing that, that doesn't help you. And if you're in a school that's not being consistent, that doesn't help you as a classroom teacher. And so I feel this kind of pain for classroom teachers in that situation because I've been there, that you just have to do you and you have to protect yourself. And I think that's one of those kind of unsung kind of things about behaviour because it is a whole school issue, but you're dealing with it as an individual a lot of the time if things aren't great. Yeah, we're going to move on to point eight now. Cassie, I might start with you just because you've just joined. So point eight is uh, prioritise behaviour. Um, if there is a problem with behaviour, focus on it at the expense of almost everything else until it's fixed. This means that other agendas will need to go on hold. All schools, regardless of context, can and should have high standards of student behaviour. Uh, that is point eight in Bruce's article. I'm quoting him here. Um, now, that's easy to say, I guess, but if you have pressure from, for example, an inspection report which mentions, you know, curriculum and the new focus on curriculum from Ofsted and so on, is there a temptation there as a school leader to say, look, I'd love to focus on, you know, a behaviour curriculum. I'd love to spend all my staff meeting time going through drilling on behaviour and going through behaviour approaches and going through this and that and training the staff on behaviour. But if I do that, we cannot redesign our curriculum. We cannot have meetings about our curriculum. We cannot be able to explain to inspectors when they arrive in the school, this is the work we've done on the curriculum. This is why we've done it. Oh, here's a, here's a curriculum map and here's a curriculum plan and here's why we've put this topic in here. We won't have time for that if we do that. So so I'm interested in that in that because as much as I agree with it, I agree with what Bruce is saying. I do 100% believe that, that behaviour should come first from my perspective but i'm just wondering from a school leader perspective and dan's here i know dan's here the and dan is a head teacher and cassie is an executive head teacher of like 37 and a half schools or something um cassie what what is your view on this oh, i've been promoted um <laughs> <laughs> cheers tom <laughs> how many is it though it's a lot. It I'm, I'm executive across 10 schools not 37 but wow. you know I'll aim Carry on. Uh, I made mistakes and I didn't deal with behaviour immediately and I spent my entire probably first six months firefighting and not being able to do anything anyway. Um, so um, I think you need to run it side by side. I think you need to have a big focus on behaviour first of all. Mm. Um, and then that needs to run and that needs to be the thread that runs through everything that you do while you're getting other things done. Um, so I don't think that you would sort out behaviour to the detriment of everything else that you've got to do, but it has to be a priority. And I think if I could go back, I would I would absolutely pummel behaviour first. And I would uh, I think the best thing I ever did uh, with my team was send a letter to all of the parents attaching the behaviour policy and a, a kind of homeschooled agreement. Um, and said this we are resetting the school right now and this is what we've done and and we had a workshop about you know this is what the behavior if, you, if you're interested we will run behavior workshops so so that that relationship between home and school was really really clear mm -hmm. um and that says that i would say changed the behavior incredibly quickly did um, they did they attend uh, a handful did um 
it wasn't a particularly difficult behavior policy to to kind of understand it was literally yeah. a traffic light system yeah. um but i think that really made it clear to to the children and to to the parents okay there's been a line drawn here and mm. we need to sign this to say that we will fully support the school in these these decisions I well, can, I just, can I just jump in on that? Yeah, one? please do, Dan. I was going to go that to is, you anyway. That is, is just, I mean, it's just 100% common sense. It leads us then into the territory, doesn't it, of talking about as we are training students in what is appropriate behaviour, we have to train parents into what our expectations are and what behaviour they should and shouldn't be tolerating at the same time. And sometimes it can actually be the parents that are being more badly behaved than the kids in the way that they deal with the school. But Dan, and then just, undermining to, just to the drop policy. in there, you, you say that's common sense. I don't know if it is for a lot. I, like, genuinely, I mean, that's, I don't... that's worrying, isn't it, Tom? Well, to be fair, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if people look at it and go, oh, you know what, I need to train. I, maybe not train, but I need to look at the parents' behaviour. I need to train the parents on the school behavior system stuff like that i don't know like i'm genuinely asking i don't know how many i think it depends what relationship and community you're working in i was working in a in a, a community that would argue everything so we would send a child home um you know saying they've had to miss 10 minutes of their break or they you know they got sent out of the classroom and they would absolutely and you know rightfully defend their child oh they didn't do anything wrong or it was a miscommunication i was thinking i'm fed up with having these arguments with parents who don't know what the behavior policy is so i thought i'll just send it home and say you need to back us up here and it and it really changed and i think it was building that relationship with the parents to say look we're all here for the right reasons we all want to educate your children and these constant stopping and starting of lessons are are not allowing that to happen so you need to be on board with us and you need to trust us and um yeah and and that worked for us um but yeah. i think it's definitely knowing your community lindsay i wondered whether you wanted to add anything in on this about this idea of prioritizing behavior because i mentioned about the competing demands um and and you know the fact that there is this big emphasis at the moment on curriculum and maybe there's a temptation to swing towards you know pedagogy and curriculum over behavior in some cases and whether you think that pressure exists or whether you think it doesn't and what kind of uh, dangers there are out there in that respect um i mean behavior is hugely important and it, it kind of comes back to your structure of slt um our slt we've all got our own little things that we work on so in minds teaching and learning we've got somebody who deals with assessment but the one thing that we all contribute to is behavior so we will all have a part to play in promoting good behavior in our school so it's hugely important but my worry is if you completely prioritize behavior things will slip and then you'll have problems elsewhere so I do think that Cassie was right that you have to keep your fingers in all the pies but yeah behavior is hugely hugely important yeah um I, I, yeah I mean all I'm trying to say I guess is sometimes there is a choice that has to be made between staff meeting on I don't know yeah curriculum and they, you've got an Ofsted inspection the following week coming up yeah. and you've got, a, you've got a scheduled meeting on curriculum but the week before you recognise the behaviour's fallen off a cliff do you A, cancel that meeting and say we're going to reassign that time to look at behaviour or do you B, continue with planned and, and do that and if you cancel it you know that you will be unprepared for that inspection if, yeah. you, do, if you go ahead with it you know that that poor behaviour will probably continue 
I think you have to be incredibly responsive. I mean, I, I sort out the CPD calendar and only in the last two or three weeks I've put, I've put a behaviour session into it that wasn't originally scheduled because we identified that there was a problem and we wanted to get it, you know, nipped in the bud ASAP. So it does sometimes trump other things. And quite often the other things can be dealt with perhaps over email or another time a little bit more easily than perhaps a behaviour issue. Yeah. Uh, Cassie, anything to throw in on that? I know you I totally agree with Lindsay. And um, I think we also need to think about the mental health and wellbeing of our staff. And actually the impact of behaviour has a huge impact on the wellbeing and mental health of staff rather than, you know, completing a, a curriculum area or, you know, a bit of CPD. Um, and I think that has to take priority over over everything else, especially if you if everyone can feel behaviour slipping, we need to reconvene and we need to look at it and make sure that everyone's, you know, doing everything they can to make sure that this is working um, to move everyone forward together. Spot on. Uh, Dan, do you want to kind of throw in there just from a leadership perspective what you would do? Would you cancel a meeting or would you go ahead with it? I haven't heard a, I haven't heard a straight answer yet. I've heard like <laughs> I've heard like Barack Obama style answers and I want to I want to like straight yes or no. Do you cancel yeah. a meeting on curriculum and yeah, rephrase it on, on behaviour or do you go ahead? No, of course I cancel meetings on curriculum. You've got to prioritise your staff's mental health and well-being. And if it's got to that, no, I'm not interested in reviewing a scheme of work at this point in time. I'm interested in making sure I'm empowering my staff to deal with the issues that are taking place in the classroom. I, I don't think, again, I think that's common sense. And I think anyone, let's say we did have an inspection, any inspector that comes through the door and says, this scheme of work's not fit for purpose. And I say, yeah, but you know what? I cancelled two meetings in a row with staff on this because we had to get a particular behavioural system right. It's like when you pick up a class at the start of the year, isn't it? And you're having a tough time with them. And sometimes you end up doing multiple lineups outside the lesson until they know how to come in the classroom correctly. You're going to pick that time up with those kids further down the line because you've trained them into how to behave in your lesson. Yeah, common sense again. Can I just say, I'm going to have to duck out, but I did pop a tweet that has um, two members of staff on there who anyone who wants to to learn about... um, uh, how to manage behaviour by just having an outstanding curriculum. I've put up my former head of English's um, Twitter handle in there, and anyone that wants to learn about behaviour systems mm. and things like that, one of my former assistant heads for behaviour is in there. So you want to look those yeah. up. I'm sure they'll Brilliant. be more than happy to be contacted. All right? Have a good evening. Brilliant, Dan. Thanks a lot. Cheers. See you later. Uh, yeah, goodness me. Uh, this is Yes, go on, Lindsay. Got your hand up again. Go. Oh, is that you? No, uh, that's a wave goodbye. No, that's... sorry, I was just waving goodbye because I, I know. Stuck with Dan. <laughs> I know, that's it. You're waving goodbye. Brilliant. Excellent. I was being polite. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. What I wanted to move on to to finish off <clears throat> was the, was the last kind of bit, which is an important bit actually, is if you are a teacher. And by the way, everyone here, welcome. Uh, this is Teachers Talk Radio. This is the the Twitter space for TT Radio. If you fancy, if you fancy becoming a host yourself then get in touch with us. Uh, you can be a host. Uh, yes, just do DM it. us. And um, it's, it's great. We've got a team of 50-plus teachers here, and, and this is basically what we do. We talk shop all day, every day. Uh, it's kind of fun, you know. Um, but uh, if you want to get involved with it, then then you know, give us a shout, and we'll, uh, we'll send you a host pack. Um, and, yeah, let us know. But my final question is, if you are in a school as a teacher, 
where uh, the behavior does need to improve, in your opinion. Uh, you feel like it is a, uh, a constant battle. You feel like really bad things are happening. What do you do? How on earth do you approach that? What do you what do you do? I'm waiting for all the speakers to drop out now as listeners and leave me here, Tom Rogers, alone to try and handle this. Nathan? I would tell you, like, and this is one of the points I was thinking about when hearing these wonderful people talk about the things they do to improve behaviour. And it is really important that people realise that dealing with behaviour problems is not the same as improving behaviour. And I see it loads of times when people are talking, oh, but the SLT are constantly dealing with behaviour. Yes, they're, they're dealing with behaviour, they're not improving it because they're not doing anything to get people's heads above the water. And I think that's something that gets missed so many times. You know, dishing out sanctions is not the same as taking a step forward and putting systems in place to improve it. Miss Mack, what do you think? What do you what are you gonna to say to a teacher who is in a school, the behaviour is in their opinion really bad? What are they gonna to do to try and help themselves and make that better? I think you have to look at the, the, the bigger picture here. So you have to consider, right, why is the behaviour bad? Is this a historic problem? Is this, a, you know, the, the area that you're in? So I work in what is known in, in my area as a, as a bad school, um, outside looking at it, in, in no, knowing what it's actually like on the inside. It's a couple of bad apples giving the school a bad name. But the behaviour can be, at times, across the school, shocking, but then when you go into lessons, it's not actually that bad. And so it's almost this culture our children have created that when they're inside the classroom, there's one way they behave. And when they're outside the classroom, there's a whole other way to behave. And I'd love to be able to sit here and go, this is the solution. This is how you solve it. This is what I'd say to someone. But I think that is just such a, a monumental issue within education. How do you teach children to be better people? when there's 101 factors influencing why these children are blaring music, rap music outside of your classroom or why they're truanting for five periods a day, I, I don't have the answer. Cassie, I wonder whether you wanted to come in on this in terms of um, your advice to a teacher who is in a school where their behaviour is really poor and is there anything they can do about it from from their from the teacher's perspective? That's such a hard question. I I'm think, great at um, this. This is my question tonight. They've been amazing. I think um, you need to do a temperature check across the school, and you need to find out whether it's systemic kind of uh, problem. You know, is this something that runs through the core of the school, or is this a, a isolated to your you? <laughs> um, I think that if you you know you can get a feel for a school in in that way and th and that will tell you a lot about the school that you're in um and and ask for help you know I, uh, the problem is you there's this kind of attitude that if you're asking for help it means you're failing in some way i just think you need to if you're working in a school that's supportive and you say look i'm really struggling with this specific class or i'm i'm struggling full stop you'd like to think that that team should be around you supporting advising you know and being around you know I think the sign of a good school and good behavior is where the SLT are walking the school um all the time and they're centralizing the behavior um sanctions and and they're supporting their staff um if worst case scenario is if that's completely missing is that the right school 
Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, we're joined as well now by Mohammed. Mohammed, can you hear me? I can indeed, Tom. Thank you for letting me come on. I was, going to, try, um, I was going to try and answer your question is, you know, what would you do? I think I'd like to say I'd hope that the school systems and everything support you. I guess if they wouldn't, I would still like to say that as an individual, you'd probably still want to try and maintain some sort of order and some sort of systems and, and you almost try and champion what you want to see around the school and then you know is it that you're bold and brave enough to almost sort of invite slt in and invite people in to sort of say look well actually i'm trialing this in my classroom and it seems to work so i i would actually my advice would be don't give up you know don't even though there may be you know controlled chaos around the school or whatever then you know i i would still sort of hold the line and sort of almost say to students look when you come into this classroom this is what i expect and this is you know exactly what i want and these are the standards that i want from you and i think that there's great merit in doing so as well so i just wanted to sort of put that in there yeah i mean we we, we kind of discussed earlier on actually this idea of like um can you be a good teacher in a school where behavior is poor Okay. Um, apologies i've joined you a little bit late as well so, so sorry late to the no party. no problem no problem i mean we discussed it earlier and the consensus kind of was no you can't be the consensus was actually you can't be an excellent teacher in a school where behavior is 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 really really poor i mean that was the consensus i don't know whether you disagree with that based on what you've said and i i i, th I think that's i would say that i i, I probably say I, I to some degree i'd probably disagree slightly to say that yeah yeah i think it'd be, it'd be difficult and you'd have a greater challenge but i i, I mean i'd like to say that if, if you can sort of i mean it depends what level obviously you know if yeah. we're talking sort of total kind of you know as i said it, 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 a little bit like one of the other people described sort of sort of music blaring and almost like sort of lack of sort of rules altogether then yes mm -hmm. you are going to be up against a very difficult challenge and i guess it will be grinding and I guess you possibly will get to a point where actually, do you know what, at some point you may sort of wave the flag and say, that's it, enough is enough. And no doubt where there are clear systems and processes in place, then you can focus on the part that we all want to do, which is deliver high quality lessons and high quality education. So I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm going to sit on the fence, I guess, then, you know, <laughs> just in Fair case enough. I missed the other points and I don't want it to sort of. No, 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 that's totally valid. And it's great yeah. to hear different views. And that's really what we're what we're interested in here is. Um, is to hear contrasting views. So we've got um, we've got Nikki here. Nikki, uh, good evening. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. 
uplearn.co.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Nikki, can you hear me? You need to unmute yourself, bottom left-hand side, hopefully. No, not sure Nikki's there. Um, Mohammed, I'll go back to you just briefly um, until maybe we'll get Nikki on. Um, what, if I was to ask you just really simply, how would you improve school behaviour? What you know, you're you're. I'm just looking at your profile now. You're an assistant principal with responsibility for behaviour. So you, you're kind of well placed, maybe to to at least consider this in terms yeah. of you know how would you go about improving behaviour if you were in a school where behaviour was was poor or was not not good enough. What are the thing? What are the steps? What are the things you do? Yeah, no problem. And I'm quite happy to sort of share. I, I could share a little bit of my journey if you like. Yeah. So without, yeah, cool. without sort of, and I'm not by any chance sort of saying, you know, I, I revolutionised the school or anything. But I mean, I came into a inner city school um, in Leicester, and um, my first part of my role essentially was I spent the first almost six months just observing and having a look at literally how everything works just almost sort of i know it's gonna sound weird but sitting back and just going around to all the classrooms looking at all the movement around the corridors and everything and sort of picking up what are the things that i found really almost sort of made me tick if you like and then i looked at quick wins and thought to myself so i'm, I'm going to even pick one or two quick ones here where the basics for me as i say were things like mobile phones so there were rules like in the corridors students they were allowed to use them at break time, lunchtime, and then you were getting discrepancies and things like so in the corridors, students would have headphones out, would have, you know, like, oh, I'm just putting it away, sir, or those kind of things. So for yeah. me, looking at very quick wins, and the biggest thing for me was consistency across the whole school. Now, it's almost an impossible challenge, so I'm not going to say we've achieved that, but it's that kind of trying to make things as simple as you can for students and for staff. So we sort of went with, I almost had like a three-year plan, and I'm now in sort of the third year of that, was, was where we had a behaviour system where it was stage one, stage two, stage three on call, and every year sort of took that back a stage and we're now at a point where it's first time every time so the idea is when you talk to a student you've been given an instruction you're expected to respond first time every time and the students are very clear on what that means and we use that language across the school and it makes it so easy to challenge pretty much any type of behavior because look I've given that instruction this is what we expect and now my challenge is 
to ensure that's consistent across school because I accept I'm going to put my hand on my heart we've got students who have been there for you who are in year 11 now so they've seen that behavior system change over their last few years and they're finding it you know slightly some of them slightly difficult to take on some staff who've been there for a very long period of time you know they've seen it change and evolve however the vast majority of them on the floor the, the, the feedback is that actually, you know what, it's allowed teachers just to teach and do what they what they do best, really. So my top tip would be consistency and, and try and get that across all, all levels. I'm interested, Mohammed, in what you said there about the the, the warning system and uh, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you kind of reduced it to first time every time, you know, that kind of yes. mantra. I was wondering what the consequence is if it's if it's if it's not first time every time, if they don't do it first time every time, what is the consequence? What is the sanction and the process? Yes, so so I'm I'm happy to do that as well. And and don't get me wrong, just in case there's any of the listeners who are like, well, actually, what happens in terms of adaptations and things? So again, we do take those things into consideration and working closely with the SEN team, etc. So giving thinking time and all those kind of things are considered. But in terms of sanctions, if you don't respond first time every time, then it is an on-call, so you're removed from the learning environment. Or if it's in corridors, then it, it classes as an on-call detention as well. So it's an hour detention on the same day. So I firmly believe in, you know, the sanctions are done, dealt with on that same day. And then, you know, you move on the next day, the next lesson is is a fresh start, so to speak. So that's the way we go about that. And going back a little as well, because I know the discussion point was, do you educate your community and, and how do you work with the community? That's been a big part in there as well. So we've done things like live events. We've invited parents onto site where possible, obviously based on the different parts of the time of the year that we've been through um, and really just trying to work with them. And when it comes to induction days, for example, we've made sure that we sort of almost sell our school, say this is what we fundamentally believe in. We need your help and support and pretty much in a polite way saying, if this is not what you believe in, then this is not the right school for you and you need to maybe think twice about you know, where, where you're applying. And I think if you try and get that right from the start, and I know it's difficult based on everyone's different circumstances of which school and the demographics, et cetera, like that, but that's the way we try and push things forward. And and, and the good thing is I'd like to say we're, we're supported as a leadership team because we all believe in that same ethos and that same vision. Yeah. Yeah, Mohammed, thank you so much for your no contribution. Problem. Stay on if you want. Um, we've still no got problem. I'm going to unmute, but I'll let other people have a chance as well. Thank you for yeah. having me on. Cheers, fella. See you. Mr. A H T Pastoral, are you there? Yeah, hi there, Tom. Um, thanks very much for the opportunity to um, give input. It's it's been really great to hear um, some really great stuff so far this evening. For me, just talking about. Um, you know, sort of quick wins in terms of maybe changing behaviour or, or turning around behaviour. Um, I work at a, a school that's only in its third year now, so everything we've been doing has very much been sort of from from scratch. And I think one of the first things I'd say is about getting uh, getting that policy right in terms of a behaviour for learning policy. And But what I'd say is about really simplifying that policy. I think it's all too often you can see these very, very busy, very heavy behaviour for learning policies. And I think within that, if you can have a really simple uh, classroom support plan, and I know a number of people have already um, rightly hinted towards this, have have a really simple but really consistent approach that is used across schools. And, and I think, like many people said, hopefully that means those um, silos that do appear, be that individual teachers or be that subject areas, is, is less likely to, to occur. So, for me, that's one. I think the second thing that I would also say is, again, from a 
from a leadership perspective is what does what does your offer look like for those if you like high-end more challenging students we use terminology um, like the intensive and specialist support so what is it that you have on offer what is your catalogue for those students be that work with you know a nearby or local pupil referral unit be that alternative provision um, because I think sometimes you can't you can't underestimate what dealing with some of those perhaps key characters in terms of behavior you can't underestimate sometimes the impact of providing something for them I know somebody earlier mentioned that you know actually we all do experience those students who we all know I think no matter how much we try um mainstream education can be a challenge it can be very very difficult and so therefore I think that that wider provision or that wider offer that the school has at that real top level I think can sometimes have have real impact yeah, thanks for that. Um, I'm, I'm go- I'll come back to you in a minute, Mr. AHT. But um, Cassie has put a tweet out. Cassie, I want to, I want to challenge you on this one. Are you still there? <laughs> oh, leave me alone, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll read the tweet. I out. know. I was, it was a contra- It probably was a controversial tweet. Hey, listen. You know, you're talking I... to the, You're talking to someone who's not afraid of a, of the odd controversial statement. So here it is. Some, I'll quote, I can't do Cassie's voice, but Cassie, this is not me saying it's Cassie. Some teachers don't want good behaviour, comma. They like firefighting because it distracts from poor teaching. Goodness me, Cassie. Now, Tom Hopkins-Burke has his hand up. Hopkins-Burke, what do you want to say about this? I think this is one of those times where we need the sound effects from Podbean. <laughs> Yeah, we need like a we need like a like a, a fire it like a fire sound or something like yeah like burning or something. Cassie, what 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 are you thinking? Here? Can you please explain your tweet? <laughs> um, I think that oh, I have spoken about this before. I think with you actually. Don't um, bring, don't try and bring me into this. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Uh, sometimes some teachers. Um, like chaotic firefighting um, in their classrooms. And uh, because once behaviour sorted, it can reveal some um, gaps in their teaching ability. I basically just reworded the tweet, haven't I? Right. Does anybody does anybody want to come in and uh, <laughs> who's a speaker or isn't yet a speaker to challenge and disagree with Cassie? Uh, we've got we've got Mr. AHT, Mohammed, Nathan, and Nikki at the moment. I'd like to just sound ill, so be kind. <laughs> no, we will not be kind. I, I want someone to challenge Cassie and tell her that they disagree. Mr. C is potentially going to do that. I hope the reason he's requesting is he's going to disagree and challenge oh, this. Okay. Mr. C, <laughs> do you disagree? For you know what? What? What's that, Tom? Tom. Oh, he might agree for you, Nate, Tom. Yeah, I know. Let's see what he has to say, Mr. C. Do you do you disagree? I'm um I'm not I'm not going to go through an agreement or a disagreement. I just think putting more meat on the bones. I do think that some teachers may, you know, without moaning about the profession, I think some teachers may feel like it's an easy out in terms of look, behaviour is poor. That's why my children aren't making progress, or behaviour is poor. That's why there's social issues at break and lunchtime. Behaviour is poor. That's why I can't get parents on side necessarily. So I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I think that's sort of the the way that Cassie's coming at it from potentially from that point of view. 
Boring. I want some Thank you. To come on. Thank you. That's very and kind. Say... And that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that, Mr. C. You let me down. Oh, I wanted you this, to come this, on and be like, no. This is a different chat from the one that you normally communicate through, Tom. So I needed to do... The, the I needed, one. I needed yeah, to be no. sophisticated and sensible tonight. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all about pedagogy and CPD here. I'll, uh, CBD tips. I'll be, I'll be back. Um, I'll be back tomorrow night. Don't worry. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Um, right, Cassie. I'm right. really annoyed about this because Tom, nobody Tom, is challenging I, you. I, Go on, I, Nathan. I do completely disagree. <laughs> I, I like a hundred percent completely disagree with Cassie on this, and I, you know, and I, everything else I completely agree. With, but I disagree because I. I cannot see how anyone, even a teacher who was not up to scratch, would 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 prefer to be in a more complicated situation, dealing with behaviours more stressful, more complicated, than teaching a well-behaved class badly. And, you know, I think that is what it comes down to. I agree slightly that some people, there might be teachers who get a thrill or enjoy or like the characters. And I disagree with that to some extent, that, that people would see that and say, well, because if that is your role, then mainstream teaching isn't where you should be. You should be in a kind of pastoral role or maybe an alternative provision because there is space for that. But as far as classroom teachers who want to teach, I think they want to teach, particularly at secondary, I think they want to teach well-behaved children. And I think anything that gets in the way of that is such so to toxic and stressful that I can't believe anyone would 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 be self-destructive in that way. Cassie? <laughs> I think I think you got to defend it now. I I quite like teaching characters and um, children that present with challenging behaviours, but I I would say any teacher that does that doesn't necessarily need to work in a pastoral role. But what I've noticed is that teachers that kind of don't follow consistent behaviour policies like the rest of the school often when you then observe them and you get that um, environment where children suddenly behave because you're standing in the room, um, they are often poor teachers. Okay, so you're saying that people who struggle with baby management are poor teachers? Is that where we're at? No, I'm saying those teachers that don't put the effort into following consistent behaviour policies with support from their SLT um often use that as an excuse for their children not making progress and attaining okay well i kind of like I, I kind of agree to some extent there but i would say that in my experience people who generally don't follow consistent policies and expectations within their classroom is because the wider system you know and there might be the odd you know the odd character there who's who's doing it differently but I would see most of those people in that are either broken by a system already as teachers or are trying to make a broken system work for them as an individual. And I don't think that and I think that's where the problem lies, not with the individual teacher, but with the system as a whole, because, so, you know, so they are making the best calls they can to get through their time. And the best situation to be a teacher is with a really well behaved class that you don't have to work very hard on behavior because you can work on content. Mm. Yeah, I might agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's in. Jamie, good evening. Hey, how you doing? Not too bad. And yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. 
Good. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, we are just reflecting on, on Cassie's incredible tweet this evening, actually. It's an award-winning tweet, which says, some teachers don't want good behaviour. They like firefighting because it distracts from poor teaching. It's creating quite a debate. Um, I think my take on this one is that culture comes from the top and if you're a head or a member of the leadership team you have a responsibility to make sure that behavior is good in your school um and i agree with mr ahc because i think simple things done well by everybody it needs to be a really clear system it needs to be easily followed and i think the point before about a broken behavior system it's very easy to overcomplicate and to to make it broken in that way um yeah so i think my, my take on it is that uh, yeah i agree to some extent because what cassie said is once you get the culture to a particular place it does expose um people's subject knowledge it does expose people's uh, pedagogy um for what it is um and once you once you hit a certain standard within the culture and that has to be set from the top you know if you're in a school where the senior leaders don't give a toss about behavior and they, they're not visible yeah. or the head's not there on the gate every morning, setting the standard. That's not, that's not a good place um, because you need the backing and support of the leadership team uh, as a teacher to, to do your job. Um, and if you then follow a very simple behavior system and you understand that and you apply that simple things done well by everybody, everyone wins. Um, and that enables then, people to be able to explore their pedagogy more and 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 and, and improve that and develop that classroom practice and then the outcomes come so so i think uh, to a certain extent i do agree with cassie but i think we've got to we've got to look at ourselves as leaders and and, and think are we committed enough to providing the platform for teachers to be able to teach and that's a really important important aspect of it uh, i'll bring in mr armstrong now mr armstrong good evening or should i say or uh, not au revoir, what the hell? Um, bonjour. Yes, buenas tardes, whatever you want to say. Um, I just wanted to chip in a wee bit on, uh, I saw Cassie's tweet earlier and immediately I kind of thought, hang on, excuse me, but um, I just wanted to kind of maybe chip in a wee bit on, um, I've been in schools where I teach modern, modern languages, as you can tell, and it's a difficult subject to teach and quite often, uh, the children were diffi uh, difficult in one particular school because of the subject, but behaved elsewhere in the school. And the term firefighting uh, uh, used an awful lot with us. Um, and we didn't feel very supported. And I think for that, the teachers were quite burnt out because they never got a chance to teach uh, full lessons and didn't even know what they had to work on in terms of pedagogy. Um, Was that because the phone's going off during lessons or...? There <laughs> uh, were the, the big characters um, in the classroom. You didn't even pick up on that humour, did you, Mr Armstrong? You know, it's because I've got the mic on now and it's not, the speaker's not so loud anymore. Uh, I didn't okay. hear you, sorry. Um, but basically, Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> basically, you know, it was a, a lot of low-level to mid-level behaviour, I would have said. Um, and you didn't even have anywhere to send someone, you know, to try and get on with the rest of the class. Um, so I think it's uh, perhaps on the one hand unfair uh, to say that some teachers enjoy or 
that that form of teaching in inverted commas, I think for some teachers that is just the reality, and they never ever get a chance to truly uh, think about the pedagogy because they're, they're too busy putting flags out all over the place. Cassie, what, what do you think about that argument? Well, I, I didn't say that they enjoyed it. <clears throat> I just think sometimes it's easier to to deal with poor behaviour. Well, you, you said they like you said they liked firefighting though. Yeah, because I think that that is a distraction, isn't it? It's, you know, send children out and, you know, and, and say, you know, I couldn't get to the end of the lesson because the behaviour was poor. You know, I couldn't get this bit done because of this. You know, I think I don't, I'm getting loads of grief on Twitter, by the way. Um, <laughs> like loads, apparently I'm disrespectful the profession. Well, I, um, I'll be honest with you. I don't agree with you on that, but I also respect the fact you've talked a hell of a lot of sense tonight. Like, I've literally been nodding to every comment you've made apart from that, and we're all entitled to an opinion. I just think sometimes it reveals, once behaviour is sorted, it reveals teaching, and that is a vulnerable place for teachers um, because they feel that they're being judged on their own pedagogy and their own understanding and their own subject knowledge and their own curriculum coverage and and their understanding of their subject or if they're primary of all of their subjects and that's an incredibly vulnerable place to be and actually sometimes dealing with behavior is a distraction from that so I think that I don't think it maybe it's the wrong term to say enjoy or like firefighting but actually sometimes that's an easier thing to deal with and feel that you're busy being busy doing that rather than being vulnerable for for your for something that you've spent your life trying to 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 do i've got to give i've got to give a shout out at this point to some listeners on the space we've got dale here who's tweeted out on the space thank you dale and good evening to you and thank you for listening uh miss loudon has been listening the whole space from start to finish that's an hour and 20 minutes of your uh oh goodness me what night would this be Thursday, Thursday night. So thank you for joining us on the space. It's been a really interesting conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to everybody. who's There's like 100 people here. I'm more than 100, 120 or something there was before. Uh, Liam, uh, I wondered whether you wanted to chip in because you haven't said anything yet. I know you connected up a while ago. I don't know whether you want to comment on what Cassie's saying or on something else. But Liam, are you there? Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm here. Um I was just intrigued by, have you seen this from, from teachers then? Um, have you witnessed it firsthand that, you know, you can see that a teacher's kind of not enjoying firefighting, but they are falling into that trap of doing it more than teaching? Yes. And how often are you seeing that? Um, I I think in previous uh settings not my current one because I've, I've been there six weeks so i haven't got my head around it all yet but i've definitely seen it and i've supported teachers that have you know and they've said you know i felt vulnerable and and actually behavior and sorting behavior is is kind of the thing that i can do um and when that's sorted and you're then observing a lesson where the behavior is sorted that is vulnerable for teachers you know and it, it's and it's all on them isn't it it's not that they, they can't you know blame the the culture of the classroom or you know i think i think there needs to be a certain honesty about how vulnerable teachers feel under under scrutiny and observation but i think that's probably a different conversation uh, no yeah no i, I do i do I, I get where you're coming from it's just the the, the firefighting thing is I almost feel that 
if you are able to firefight that efficiently, then that allows you to to explore different avenues of teaching. If you if you can manage behavior that well, and you you've got that kind of on point, then you can do whatever you want in a classroom. So I, I just find it, it's like a double edged sword. With that I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you. I haven't witnessed it, um, but it's a really interesting point of view. You've taken on that. Um... It is interesting. It is interesting. That's why I read it out and forced Cassie to defend herself against a horde of people who disagree with her, which which has been the highlight of my evening. Uh, Mr. AHT, do you want to say something? Yeah, I think initially in, in uh, following on from people's reactions to Cassie's um, tweet, I think my my immediate sort of reaction and response is is one of uh, is one of sadness because I feel. And I'm always willing to be corrected um, if I'm wrong, but I sort of feel we've... We will, we will. (laughs) No, I have no doubt. I sort of feel, you know, in some ways, is it not... I don't want to say necessarily the easy part or the basic part, but that subject knowledge, uh, maybe more so secondary uh, compared to to primary, but that that is almost or should be almost a given that there is that subject knowledge, whatever your subject is, unless obviously you're teaching, you know, outside of your specialism... Okay. The any school where behaviour is is you know exemplary, it's a luxury to have, and, and I would say I probably have this experience in the past when I've taught key stage five because often you don't get as much of a behaviour. But surely that is almost a, the given. The challenging part, the hard part, I think more often than not is actually the the firefighting, the dealing with behaviour, the having those strong relationships with 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 the students. So yeah, my my, my sort of gut reaction was was one of sadness. <sighs> Interesting. Uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, we've heard a lot of views there on that. I think it's it it is really interesting. It's a really interesting point. Um, it's not something I've personally seen. I haven't seen. I don't think I've I've necessarily seen a teacher who it wants to stay in that kind of context to kind of get away with it, if you like, um, because they don't want to be exposed as a as a poor teacher. You know, I don't know if teachers think about it in that way um you know from my point of view miss mac do you want to come in on that and say something yeah just just to go off of that i don't think a teacher might necessarily think oh i i'm gonna let the behavior be really bad in my classroom because i don't feel comfortable teaching x y or z but it's that acceptance of oh this class is really awful i'm going to give up trying and then you just accept the poor behavior you accept that that lesson with that class is is going to be awful. Um, and when you first read out Cassie's um, very controversial tweet, now um... <laughs> no, I love the tweet. <laughs> to be honest, I love Cassie. She's amazing, and and I don't really care if anybody doesn't like this. It's just an opinion. Like at the end of the day, I don't like you know like we can disagree with it or agree with it. It's just an opinion. Yeah, no. When you first read it, I, I was like, oh no, God no. But then when Cassie was able to explain you know, what she meant. I think yeah. I was getting too bogged down where she used the word like. It's more that... Well, this is recorded anyway. So it, yeah. her explanation will be there as a podcast <laughs> for everybody yeah. to devour. It's um, almost I, as if they prefer having to, to deal with the bear of behaviour. So when it does come to data or when it comes to um, why a class hasn't made expected progress, it's the, the ready-made answer of, oh, well, you know their behaviour is bad. You know I've been struggling with them. But actually, as a teacher, 
what are you doing to try and improve that behavior are you having your slt dropping in in those lessons are you going to your senko if you the students that you're struggling with have sen needs asking for feedback or asking for for strategies that work are you doing a round robin of i've seen this kid in your lesson they behave really well what are you doing that i'm missing because at the end of the day i don't there are very few kids that don't want to be in school full stop and don't want to learn and will just be awful for the full five years there are obviously your handful of kids that are like that but most kids do want to learn they do like the security and structure of school and so Cassie I am going to agree with you I do think that there are, are some teachers that might prefer having to deal with behavior over accepting that they are are struggling with delivering content to to certain classes or students now when Thank i said so that we much. Loved, when i said that we loved cassie i didn't say agree with her that's not <laughs> that's not what i was saying I can, so I get thought off the call just gonna, just gonna yeah. smack. you're gone think... <laughs> goodbye <laughs> removed removed i genuinely just removed the cassie because she agreed with you <laughs> you're mean i know it was and she's left the whole space now because of that which is great um anyway it's not great she actually made a very valid point um well you know what we could literally talk about this all evening cassie do you want to say anything because you've had a bit of a batter in there but also you've got a lot of support and i've blocked the people who've supported you how does that make you feel <laughs> i didn't even want to talk tonight i'm really not well you've dragged me in You've made me write a horrible tweet that everyone's now going to absolutely annihilate me for. I love how this is my fault. I'm going to no. stop blocking people tonight because so many horrible people are Well, we've got, Martin, we've got Martin here. And I have a feeling that Martin is going to agree with you because he looks like a pro... He, he looks really chilled in his profile picture, Cassie. He's you, got like a... You owe me a drink, Tom Rogers. I am no, sick. No. <laughs> and now you're going to get a, a, the, the tweet was an interesting one it's not one I've it's not an opinion I've seen before so I'm pro new opinions <laughs> that I haven't seen before yeah thanks Martin you. yeah do thanks you to, Martin do you want to say anything yeah sure um I suppose for me I think that it's usually a, a result of a system and system failures in the school so for example poor management of teacher training, um, re sort of relevant teacher training rather than 10 days on differentiation that we've all had to sit through at some stage. Um, other parts that link into it are curriculum. If the curriculum isn't up to date, if it's not being monitored and reviewed, maybe the curriculum's an issue. I think there's a lot of issues that feed into that behaviour uh, pattern. And part of it as well is on the side of the school ethos. If the school doesn't develop autonomy, agency and affiliation then that too can impact on behavior so i think it's a cumulative effect and if the teacher has been there long enough and they're going through the motions every day that becomes a very worrying environment and they kind of maybe revert to type and i would agree to a certain extent that the firefighting of behavior becomes almost habitual but you know we we, we try and break habits with children and i think it's very rich for schools to turn on a teacher if they haven't if they're not going to take responsibility for producing that acceptable that accepted behavior so for me personally that would be an slt issue or a school-wide issue 
that either we're all in it together or, um, you know, or something's not working. And I think to throw that all onto the teacher, mm. there's probably underlying issues. I do think it's a cumulative effect of curriculum ethos and perhaps um, teacher training. And when you combine all of those together, I mean, we're, we're right now, we're outsourcing teacher training on Twitter uh, and resources on Twitter and CPD on Twitter is far better than um, anything that we've had in schools because it's been underfunded for so long. So I do think that there's a bigger sort of aerial view there. But in terms of the teaching in the cl- at the classroom level, um, if that's if that's the case, it's entirely on the back of SLT and school management systems to deal with that and to work with the teacher rather than, you know, uh, hover around the corridors and, and sort of nip into the class and that further undermines the teacher and it removes trust. So I think there's probably a lot more to it than just a sweeping statement. Um, but I do take your point that, yes, firefighting can be uh, part of it, but that's usually a result of wider things, in my opinion. Um, and I suppose it comes from leadership. I think it's, I think it's, if it's top down, then that's the issue. Um, and I think as well, middle leaders need to take ownership in their departments of behaviour and, and curriculum-based behaviours. So I don't know if I've covered too much there or too yeah, little. That, but... was, that was really good, Martin. I thought that was like a yeah. session at Research Ed for a minute. I just I was <laughs> astonished how much you packed in there into that yeah, commentary. Right. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, listen, everybody, we've actually run out of time. It's Because otherwise we're just going to go on literally all night with this. So it, it's been wonderful to hear so many contributions. Thanks, everybody for tuning in um if you want to download this as a podcast it will be available as a podcast with the permission of all the speakers hopefully nathan is okay with that i think cassie is uh mr armstrong you may be on the podcast um and yeah the, the, everyone it was recorded so it, it'll be there anyway to listen to for 30 days on on twitter but also we'll 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 um, patch it up as a podcast on uh, ttradio.org as well so if anyone wants to listen back to this extravaganza of nearly a two-hour discussion then we will split it up into into some chunks for you to have a listen back to. And if anybody listening wants to get involved uh, with Teachers Talk Radio, then please do. You know, we are still looking for hosts. We're always looking for hosts. And um, we're looking for people with opinions. Uh, we don't we don't really care if, if you know, if people don't like the opinion or, or disagree with it. Um, we just, we like the debate. We like people who have different opinions and we like to share different opinions and we like to share conflicting points of view in a civil way, which is fantastic to be able to do. And, and I know everybody, everybody here can do that. And it's been, uh, it's been great to hear that tonight. Uh, it's been a wonderful discussion. It's inspired a lot of thinking for me um, all the way through from start to finish. I'd like to thank Tom, who is behind the, t- uh, the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter account tonight, Tom HB for organizing everything, including bringing in the speakers. Obviously, I'll thank Nathan for chipping into and for every person who has spoken on the space and all of you lot who have bothered to listen to it. Thank you very much. And we will see you again for our next space.